Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Well, hello again and welcome back, everybody. Today with us, our special guest is Melissa Rolfs. She is a holistic health and life coach helping teen girls and women find freedom from the struggle with food. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Tammy. Yeah, it's good to have you. And it's a topic that we have not really breached. And it's something that so many people probably struggle with and find very, very interesting or know someone that struggles with. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got started. Yeah, didn't ever expect to do this. Growing up, I wanted to be Katie Couric. I was going to be like the broadcast girl. So to be doing this is kind of funny. Um, But basically for me, I started binging on sweets when I was a little girl. I was eight years old and used food to kind of handle the overwhelm and the anxiety and just lots of things happening in the house. I didn't know how to handle or navigate at that age. And so it became a coping mechanism in childhood, continued throughout high school, you know, after college, into marriage, having children. And so I think for me, it kind of hit the fan, Tammy, when we had um, our babies, our son was a newborn, not sleeping through the night. So I was exhausted. We also had a two and a half year old who had some undiagnosed sensory um, challenges and food allergies that we didn't know about. My husband was traveling for work. And on top of that, I just gotten diagnosed with PTSD from childhood trauma. So through all of that started with a coach, a therapist met with, um, I'm trying to think of the word, a naturopath who did like my vitamin and mineral levels and really discovered that everything of mine was not in a good place because I was living off of sugar. And so that was like my aha moment of, oh my goodness, I can do something about this. And food is about more than just weight because I thought that's what all it was about was weight. So really learned about the impact of food and mood on energy and overall health and really just being vibrant. And so that changed everything for me. So that's why I'm here doing what I do because I felt that other women needed to know about this and that they could be free from the struggle with food. Because so many of us feel like we have to diet or we have to do this plan or that plan. And it's really not about that at all. No. So I would, I mean, I venture to guess it's more about your relationship with food and why you're eating what you're eating. 100%. (laughs) So you said childhood trauma at eight, you started having these problems like binging Mm -hmm. with food Mm -hmm. just to to numb whatever. Yep. You were exactly right. And what's so crazy is I don't think my parents would have known, but we had little mice that came and they pooped all over the bed and they pulled on me. So had those, like, I think I could have gotten away with it if those mice didn't tell my secret. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That is funny. Well, I used to joke and tell people like when I used to run away when I was like seven or eight and I used to always, it was always the same system. I took a bag of chips ahoys and I ran away. And when the bag of chips ahoys was empty, I came back because I had nowhere else to go. I didn't want to, but I was like, okay, cookies are gone. Let's head back home and take some more. (laughs) It was crazy. So in this, I mean, just curious. So you said you thought it was always about weight, but did you gain a lot of weight, lose a lot of weight? Or is it like this your whole life? You know, that's a good question. I feel like I was heavier, like as a child, 
And then I think I got to the high school stage and I was like, oh, I need to look thin and I need to attract boys. And so I would like not eat lunch. Like I would just like withhold at that point. And then in college, I went the total opposite end because I was so stressed out and overwhelmed that I was like eating everything in sight back to that original childhood mechanism. And so it was very much all over the place. Yeah, because you, you know, I look at, I know one personal person very close to me and I don't want to mention her name, but she's not heavy she's very muscular and she's very fit and she works out every day and everything else. But she, for sure, if, if you let her, or if she allows herself, will sit there and eat an entire bag of Snicker bars. But then she feels the need to, you know, overcompensate and go to the gym at five o'clock every single morning of her life. Yep. Yep. And I did that too. Like it was like this very much like punishment reward, right? Like, oh, well, I eat really well, so I'm not going to exercise. And oh, I ate too much ice cream, so now I need to exercise. Like it was just very choppy and unhealthy. And I didn't even know it was a thing. I just thought that I was living in normal. (laughs) Right. Well, and usually with dysfunction, you probably weren't modeled normal. You probably, if you, if by eight, you were already doing this, you probably didn't have the normal sit down at five o'clock Brady Bunch family situation anyway. Right. So, so you said you had your aha moment because you're, I, remind me again, I forgot what you said. Well, yeah. It was all of those things combined, but I think it was for me, like the real aha Tammy was like, I don't want to keep doing this for my kids. Like my kids deserve better than this. And I need to be better than that. Like, it wasn't for me. It was not about me because that felt but very selfish. I'm like, Oh, I can't do this for me, but it was more about them. And I think that that was really my, my point in like, okay, I need to change because this is not serving any of us. Right. And you know, at this point, if you are exhausted and run down and you're just eating crap, pardon the French or mm-hmm. whatever, but if you're eating crap all day long, you're not at your best in any way, shape or form. No, I was like curled up on the couch by the time my husband got home in fetal position because I was exhausted. Like that's no way to live. (laughs) No, no. And I think a lot of us have our aha moments around children because you don't want to, you don't want them, you want better for them than you have for yourself. And especially if you're not in a good position right now, you want absolutely 10 times better. And we all know that you, you know, you hear the old expression, do as I say, not as I do, but it doesn't matter. Children are going to mirror and they're going to model what they see. 100%. I love that phrase more is caught than taught because I feel like that's so true because it comes to a point where if you're saying one thing and doing another, they're going to see through that. And then you're going to be a hypocrite and they're going to not trust you. Like it creates a whole new thing. So I love to like really practice what I preach and like, I don't just say it, I actually do it. So they're seeing it too. Exactly. So when you were, what was the first step? Like what in your whole healing process, like when you just, you just became aware, obviously that, okay, it's a problem. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm not getting off the couch. I don't have the energy to take care of my kids. How did you realize that it was all food related? Well, I don't think I did. I think that's what's so crazy. So I remember our son had colic and we had started um, doing chiropractic care with our daughter when she was a baby. And so we did the same with our son and he was really fussy one day. And I took him to the chiropractor and she said, what did you eat? Because I was breastfeeding. And I said, I had some Oreos. And she was like, well, how many did you have? Not thinking I would have to tell her how many I ate. And so I shared with her, I think I ate like half the bag or three-fourths of the bag. And she was like, I know that you're stressed and overwhelmed, but that isn't helping you and it's not helping your child. 
And mm-hmm. I feel like that really opened my eyes to be like, oh, okay. So I think as I continued with the naturopath and learned about supplementation and nutrition and how it affects everything, that was like probably the next step on the journey. I think the first step was that awareness with the chiropractor and saying that and kind of calling me out, mm-hmm. but then going to the naturopath and doing my own research. And I'm very much like, if you tell me something, I need to understand why. So I think that mm-hmm. led me in this deep dive of, I've got to understand this. This needs to make sense. So I can know if I'm like fully committed to it. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I, absolutely. You're not going to change a habit that you've had for 22 years, just because someone says so you need to know why you need to know the pros and the cons. I mean, I laugh at myself to this day, I'm 55. And if I have to make a decision, I'm like, okay, pro. And I literally write out pro con. And then I'm like, one pro, one con, one pro, one con. (laughs) But, you know, and your pros are obviously much bigger than your cons because they're, they involved your family. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So, so giving, you know, going, you work with children and and adults. So teens, I'm assuming, is it more girls? Yeah. I'm probably assuming. And a lot of that is, I feel like so much of that is just the media and this Mm -hmm. thing that we have to be slim and we have to be this and we have to be that. Um, And it just sickens me. Like just let people know that they're absolutely beautiful the way they are. And it, it it just, it's one of the things that just is really getting me right now. (laughs) Because it's coming at us from all angles. Like I feel like for our generation, we were inundated with the diet culture, right? And it was like every diet mm-hmm. and we didn't have social media. So now not only does the next generation, they still have the diet culture because it's still very much around, but then they have the social media coming at them too, showing them images of what they should look like and they need to look like and what's pretty and what, like, it's just, there's another level to it now almost for them, I feel. Oh, absolutely. So what do you, how do you get people started? Like if they know, if they come to you and they say, you know, Melissa, I'm, I'm stuck. Like I know I'm eating too much or I know I'm not eating properly. What is, how do I get started? Yeah. So I have a personalized assessment call that I do with people to kind of figure out like, okay, where are you at? Like what is hanging you up? Where are you stuck? And let's come up with a plan to get you unstuck. And then I do have a 12 week program called finding freedom from the food struggle that goes into that a little bit more. Um, But the first step would be that assessment call. Okay. And would it were, I mean, I'm just curious, like I said, I don't know much about this, but would it be the same for someone that was like anorexic or bulimic or is that, is that the same thing or is this totally different? It kind of depends because it goes back to relationship with food and the whole, like what I love about what I do to is I really help women and teen girls connect with their bodies and what they need and learn to listen to themselves and trust themselves And so it's really like helping them through that, discovering the root of like, okay, where does that belief come from that you are overweight and you need to lose weight? So you're withholding, like, where does that come from? So yes, but no, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does. It does. I mean, it's, you know, I'd always heard like, even, even like anorexia that sometimes it becomes a control thing. So if you Mm -hmm. grow up in a house where you're so out of control, your body is the one thing you can control. And it's very hard for somebody to tell you what to do with it. 100%. So it's like that issue comes into it. I mean, there's all, especially when you're dealing with, I mean, I don't know what else. I think everything stems from childhood. (laughs) Yes, it totally does. How can it not? That's like the foundation of everything. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you don't just wake up one day at 30 after having this great life and go, I think I'm just going to eat 17 packs of cookies, you know, and, and it become, but at this, you know, at the same time, like you said, we, I think we talked about before the interview, it, food was just the thing. 
it could have been alcohol. It could have been drugs. It could have been sex or gambling or whatever. Food was just the thing. It was your dopamine hit. Yeah. And I think the tricky thing with that is it's illegal. It's socially acceptable. Like if I were to go pick my kids up at school, if I rolled into the car line high, I would be judged and that would not be good. But if I had eaten like six blizzards on the way there, that's a whole different story. Like I think there's other layers to the food piece that make it tricky and we do need it to survive. Like, it's not like, Uh oh, I can just not go, you know, I don't need it because I'm addicted, but we need it to survive. So it's so complex because of that. And when you're, when you're doing this, okay. So I don't know what, so what do you call it? Like what you did, was it just binging? Is that. Yeah, I would say it was binging, but I never like made myself puke because I hated that. So I just binged. Okay. And then you hated yourself afterwards or no? Oh yeah. Okay. And then I felt bad because I binged and I would just keep binging to try to feel better. Like it was this vicious pattern that didn't stepping back, didn't make any sense. But at the time it was all I knew to make myself feel better. So after the assessment, so say someone doesn't take an assessment and they just, but are listening to this and they're out there and they're like, wow, that's me. That's definitely, um, I'm eating to bury something or to hide something or to just make myself fill that void. What's a good first step? Just being aware or is that the second step? I mean, I think awareness is that first step because you have to be aware of something, but then I think you also have to have a desire to change mm-hmm. because just this morning on the way to school, we were talking about somebody we know who, who has not really changed over the course of time. And I told the kids, I said, maybe that's not what they desire. Maybe they don't want to change. Like it kind of depends on, you can be aware, but you have to also want to change at the same time. So I think awareness is the first step. Desire to change is a number two and then taking steps towards change is step number three. Okay. So you, that and that makes total sense. I think with anything, it's like, you're aware, you accept that if you don't change, things are going to go. So you have to have your pro list and your con list, <laughs> you know, do I really want to live like this? I mean, um, did you start to just curious? I mean, did you start to really have physical ailments from it besides just being tired? I know because food disorders can literally wreak havoc on your entire body. You know, I, I actually think that I had some adrenal fatigue that I wasn't aware of. I think that was part of the exhaustion and just the stress and not my body getting what it needed. Um, so I think that was a part of it, which affects hormones and that affects a lot Mm -hmm. of things. Um, my weight was obviously a struggle. I looking back, I was probably sick more often, but I feel like as a mom, you can't really be sick, but I feel like now, like I remember one day I was just like laid up in bed. Like I couldn't do anything because I was so sick. So I feel like my immune system is stronger. Um, yeah, probably other benefits. You know, I, the brain fog is definitely gone. That's been really nice to have like okay. a clear, clear brain. <laughs> well, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that people binge like this person that I'm talking about. She doesn't necessarily just binge on sweets. It could be anything. It's literally like she has to get a package of food and go, okay, bam, here's what I'm allowing myself to eat. Because if not, I will literally eat the entire thing. And it could be a pound and a half of pasta. Yeah. Yeah. So it's literally just too much of anything. Yeah. But you said yours was sweets. Well, with sweets and and carbs, like, but they're so connected, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so I think for me, it was like the breads and the sweets and like my lunch was like always a diet Dr. Pepper because it was diet and a big pretzel with cheese because it was fat free and like the <laughs> Velveeta cheese. Like that was what I ate for lunch. Like there is like no nourishment in that. Mm-mm. So how did you like force your, did you have to physically force yourself? Like, or did you make charts and eating schedules or how did you kind of go about that? 
Yeah. So I think our daughter getting the food allergies was really eye-opening because I'm like, this came from somewhere, came from me. So I got tested and started to realize, okay, maybe this is really impacting me. So that just caused me to cut that out. And then I was like, okay, I need to eat more protein. Like it was just through my own research and like realizing what I needed that I wasn't getting like vegetables. I would eat plenty of fruits. Don't get me wrong, but it was like (laughs) vegetables and proteins that I think I was really missing out on. Right. And I mean, and if it's the sugar that's giving you that blood sugar rush, that's getting you through to the next hour. I mean, you don't, your body, when you're in that hypervigilant, like, God, I have something you're not looking at. Okay. So yeah, the sugar is going to drop in 30 minutes. And then what am I going to do? You're just literally just going full force at it. Totally. And riding that blood sugar roller coaster, like a crazy person. Cause I was like, my moods were off energy, everything. It was, did you end up diabetic? No, but I was pre-diabetic. That's the other thing. When Mm -hmm. I met with that naturopath, she was like, you are pre-diabetic. And I'm like, okay. That should be an awakening in itself. (laughs) A little like slap in the face, like, okay, get buddy. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. I can't even imagine. So what, what would you, I mean, you're coaching. I mean, there's obviously millions of people out there that are going through this. What would be some like sure signs that you could, or questions you could ask yourself to know if you have a problem versus, okay, I just eat too much or, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So I love to like flip it around and have people be curious instead of judgmental, replace judgment with curiosity. Cause I think we're so quick Tammy, to be like, oh my gosh, I just ate all the ice cream. And then we beat ourselves up. So maybe instead of like beating yourself up, just pause and ask, okay, why did I do that? Was I hungry? What was I looking for in the moment? Because I think a lot of times we'll have a craving and we'll identify it as a hunger craving, but maybe we're actually craving something else like more alone time or more time with people or more creativity, or we're Mm. craving something, but we don't dig a little deeper to figure out if it's actually a physical craving or a need that we have in an area of life. So I'd love to encourage people to do that. And I think that's a great first step is, you know, once you eat something, really kind of ask yourself, was I hungry? Why did I eat that? Right. Or even before, I mean, before you get like, as you're craving something, I mean, this is a cool conversation for me because I joke and I don't get like, I'm literally sitting here because we're talking about food. My stomach is physically growling. Oh no! (laughs) And I tell my husband all the time. I'm like, if you weren't home, I wouldn't eat. Mm -hmm. I literally wouldn't eat just be not because I don't want to, or because I I'm worried about my weight. I just don't ever get the need. Or I, I always said there's like two types of people in the world and there are people that live to eat and there's people that eat to live mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to eat to live. So like if I go one day and have carrots and ranch dressing and that's all I have, I'm like, okay. So, so it is really an, an interesting concept to me. Like my stomach is physically growling right now, which means when I'm done, I should probably go eat something. And that's my clue before I make myself so hungry that yes. I feel a little like, Ooh, a little woozy. And then I get that blood sugar drop and I get hung hangry as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe, I, I mean, I might be the ultimate opposite spectrum of that. I don't eat enough, but could be, huh? It, you you could be, it you could, could I, be. Mean, I have a friend who called me the other day. She's like, I forgot to eat lunch. Have you ever done that? And I'm like, no, <laughs> Yeah, she was probably asking the wrong person too. Because <laughs> I don't, I have coffee in the morning and I'm like, oh, there's enough calories in my milk to get me through one at one o'clock. But then like yesterday I went to work at three and it was probably seven o'clock and I'm like, oh, I should probably eat something. 
And then I had ranch and celery and ranch dressing. (laughs) But I mean, the, I think it's just neat what you're doing. So you have the awareness, like people just need to know. And so what are some other questions that they might ask themselves? Because that's what I'm trying to like for listeners out there that really don't know if it's a problem. What are some other things you would ask yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think just even asking yourself, like, what is my relationship with food like can be a big one because we don't think of it in terms of a relationship, right? Like we think we eat to live or like you said, or we live to eat or we need to eat because we have to keep going or it's something we do at parties, but just like give yourself a few minutes to just ask, what is your relationship with food like? And I think you'll have some things start to pop up like memories from childhood, like, oh yeah, we used to eat that. And now I love that. Or, oh, I ended up puking that up and now I don't eat that anymore. Like just do a little, like give yourself permission to ask that question. I think can even be really powerful. Cause again, we're not taught that it's a relationship with food. We're taught that we need to restrict and withhold and we need to diet in order to get results. And we don't view it as a relationship, which trickles into every other relationship in our lives. That is interesting because I, I've heard a couple of times people say your relationship with food. And again, I, I wouldn't know what mine is. I don't, I don't like, not that I don't like it. I don't want to say that. I don't feel anything either way about it. So mm-hmm. I guess that would be a very eye-opening, I guess, I don't know if you want to say exercise or just for anybody to do, yeah. because obviously we need food to survive. But it's, I I mean, the only advice I was ever given about food in my life was two, 10 times it's easier to digest. That was literally the only advice or nutrition advice or anything I ever got. And the rest I kind of figured out on my own. And I feel like my body tells me what I need. Like I might go to work or, or go in there right now. And if I'm, and I might drink four glasses of milk in a day, but I feel like, okay, I need milk. And my daughter doesn't eat meat. So when she comes to see me, we don't eat a lot of meat, but I'm like, I want a steak. Like, so do when you're going through the eating issues or problems, whatever you want to call them, I don't want to call them issues, but, or I don't want to, whatever you're going, when you're going through this process, does your body tell you that? Or is it just whatever you can get hold of? Well, I think that's, what's been really interesting is everybody I've worked with, they have lost the ability to like connect with themselves and what their body needs because they're so used to like diet culture and withholding and restraining and restricting that that's all they know. They don't know any different. And so it's really this process of teaching them like, okay, this is how your body tells you when you're hungry. This Mm. is how your body tells you when you're full. And this is how like you, you learn to identify those signals. Yeah, that makes sense. When now I'm not, I'm not, like I said, this is very fascinating to me. So if you are going through a stage where you're eating and eating and eating, do you, does your body tell you you're, you're full? Cause I know like oh, my pug hundred percent does it does. Yes. And you continue yes. to eat. Yes. Okay. So I know I have a pug and they will literally eat until they're sick and they, their body doesn't feel satiated, but you will feel satiated and then continue to eat. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's, that's what right. I did. I was not eating because I was hungry. I was eating to like down. It's almost like a nervous habit, like smoking or anything else. It's just a habit and it's, it's soothing. And it's mine was food (laughs) and yours was food. Yeah, absolutely. So I, that's, I mean, absolutely fascinating to me. So we have that question of just your relationship. Talk, Talk just like one or two more minutes about that whole relationship with food so that people listening can really grasp what that means. Yeah. So I'm maybe a story would help. Yes. I had a client that I worked with who 
she did not like cheese and crackers, but whenever she was stressed, she would find herself craving cheese and crackers. So we did a little coaching. We did a little digging and come to find out she would always have cheese and crackers when she was a child. See, it goes back to childhood. Mm -hmm. Everything. And her family was together with neighbors and family and friends. And it was very happy. It was very exciting. It was not stressful. So lo and behold, when she was feeling stressed, she found herself gravitating towards a food that symbolized peace and happiness and joy and not stress for her, even though she didn't like it. So I think that symbolic of the relationship with food is when we have an area of our lives that's out of balance, we kind of crave something that brings us back into balance that we usually have a memory with, we have an association with, it fills something in us. Hmm. Does that help a little bit? <laughs> it, it it does a little bit. And that's what I'm yeah. trying to, you know, like I said, I'm trying to put it from the outside yeah. perspective of some people have no clue and you don't know what you don't know until somebody yeah. says something and you go, huh, that's me. That's me. So I was trying to just draw out some more of those that me things. I mean, I have some, I, my favorite well, my favorite PTSD story is literally something that happened to me. My mom used to like practically force feed me soft boiled eggs when I was a kid. And if I wouldn't eat them, sometimes I would get locked in closets. I would get beat up, whatever it was. And I, to this day, like to just even picture a soft boiled egg, it's like, oh God, I can't do it. And we used to, she used to do this as I was watching the movie, uh, the show, As the World Turns. Remember that soap opera? And literally like 30 years later, no, it was even more than that, almost 40 years later, I was sitting at a table and that music came on and I vomited. And I was like, that's when I fully got the concept of you're just anchoring something so negative and that PTSD, like I was like, wow. So, I mean, I can understand that. Like, and I do, I have mostly positive thinking about food. Like if I smell sweet potatoes, I go right to my mother-in-law's house because she makes, you know, or turnips or whatever it is. And, and I do have mostly positive things. And I think, so maybe that would be something good for the listeners is just to mm-hmm. question everything, good, bad, indifferent, like any thought you have about food or try to even conjure up thoughts about food because I just, it's not something I think about, but if you are eating too much of it, you will think about it or not eating enough or having a reason that you're not eating it. So maybe it's just asking yourself more and more and more questions. Yeah, I think it is. Like for me, I was like, oh, my mom did, and I did the same thing when I was potty training my kids. Oh, I'll give you a treat. So then I associated, oh, well, when I do something good, I deserve a treat. Like that mentality of rewarding myself with something Mm -hmm. sweet, because that's what happened in childhood. And lo and behold, I did the same thing when I was potty training my kids, because that's what I knew. Or even think about like when you're giving babies food and you're doing the airplane and they close their mouth, that's their way of saying, no, I'm full. But what do we do? We're like, oh, one more bite, one One more more bite. bite. Like that's not teaching them. That's not honoring their body. You know what I mean? No, not at all. If you stop and think about it, there's so many instances in real life and in society and probably your own life where you'll be like, oh, never thought about it that way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think these are good, getting different perspectives and 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 asking or prompting those eye-opening questions. Because, I mean, especially when you've gone through junk in childhood, you don't always become aware. There are people that are 70 years old that are out there walking around that have no idea why you know, when um, something looks at them funny, they cringe and they have no, or they have no idea why a certain food makes them kind of a little queasy or, 
you know, seeing a, a certain movie and it just doesn't sit with them. And they don't know because we're not taught to question these things. We just go through life as, oh, that kind of is horrible. I'm just going to avoid that. Let's not deal with that. But when you're dealing with something like food, I mean, it's having a direct relation. It's having a direct effect on everything, your your health, your how you're showing up at work and school and home and with your children and everything, because it is a necessity. Absolutely. I think another thing too, that people might identify with Sammy is like, when are you eating? Are you eating lunch at noon every day? Because that's when we're told it's lunchtime. Like we, I think get so programmed in society to like eat at certain times because that's when we eat breakfast. That's when we eat lunch. That's when we eat dinner. That's not honoring our body's hunger cues at all. Like we're eating by the clock rather than what our body's telling us. I was actually going to ask you that in, in your healing and helping people get through this, is that something that you would suggest is not going on a schedule? Or I was actually wondering that, like, do you have to force yourself three meals a day, two snacks, or is it eat when you're hungry or when you feel like eating? Yeah, it's very much eat when you're hungry. And again, it's teaching people how to figure that out. Like, how does your body tell you that it's hungry? Is is your stomach growling? Are you feeling like low energy? Like, how does your body tell you that it's hungry? Because when it starts to tell you that you need to plan to eat, like it's telling you something. bodies are always talking to us. We just don't know how to listen to them. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, yeah, mine's growling right now. And that's just telling me I didn't put enough milk in my coffee. Yes. So time <laughs> to eat got me through two. <laughs> it knows better. It knows that it should get me through two o'clock before I get hungry. But no, that's, that's awesome. Um, I appreciate this because I think there's, like I said, I, it's a concept that I'm unfamiliar with. But I think it's a concept that in just talking to people and knowing the the social media and what we portray as normal and healthy and and not to be ashamed of, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but I think it's it's so prevalent out there that people need to be made aware and need to know what the relationship with their food is. Because it's really their relationship with their body too, right? Like mm-hmm. it's relationship with food and our body and our lives. And they're so connected. We just you'd like to silo them off and be like, okay, I need to lose weight. I'm going to restrict my food, but right. we're not looking at like, what does our body need? What's happening in our life? That's maybe affecting that. Like they're, they're interconnected. Right. And just the fact that, you know, I always say, set your, set yourself a, a visualize your little self right next to you. Would you starve your little self or would you make your little self eat so many cookies that it wanted to throw up? No, probably not. Then why would you do it to this self? You know, it's like we need to learn to be our own best friend and treat ourselves like we would treat our own best friends. 100%. And we need to not wage war against our bodies. Like when we withhold food or when we like punish ourselves with militant exercise, nobody wins. Like, Think of everything your body does for you. Like the, the nicest thing you can do is take care of it and honor it. Because if you didn't have your body, like your life would look totally different. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know my mother and I don't know the details of it, but I know at one point my mother was like 68 pounds in the mm-hmm. hospital being IV fed and, you know, through, because she was anorexic. And my father was like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make her drink. <laughs> You know, and I remember that's he telling me that years later and I'm like, and that's all you got from, you know, but that's again, another whole dysfunctional story, but why well, appreciate you coming on here. This was, this was cool. So if people want to work with you or find out more, because obviously you're a wealth of knowledge in this topic, um, how do they reach out to you? Yeah. My website is free. The number two, the letter B coaching.com. So free to be coaching.com 
from there, you can find my social channels and all the places I hang out. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And I'll put all those links in the show notes and everything like that. If you've got a special course coming up or something that you're working on now, or and want to put links to that, just make sure I get them. And um, now what piece of advice or something for people that are listening that are just now, I want go from a mindset of just now people going, oh, that might be me. What would be some words of wisdom for them? I think be kind to yourself. Like, I think you probably listen to this and you're probably like, oh, that's interesting. I haven't thought of that. And you might have a little bit of awareness. You might catch yourself doing some things. You might find yourself grabbing the chocolate in the kitchen when you're stressed and not really hungry or when you're tired, you're grabbing a latte and not because you, you need coffee, but because you, you feel like you want it or it's that treat mentality that I talked about earlier. So you've got this awareness, but then instead of like beating yourself up and being mean, replace that judgment with curiosity and ask why, why did I do that? And just notice it from a place of compassion and curiosity and replace the judgment with compassion and curiosity. And I think it'll be really insightful for you because again, we just are so hard on ourselves and we beat ourselves up and we stay in that cycle of just yuck. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, that's great. I mean, I love that. Just replace replace judgment with curiosity and compassion and you couldn't say it any better. So thank you so much for coming, Melissa. I appreciate it. Thank you for having you. Oh, you are very welcome. Oh, yeah. And for all of you out there listening, you heard it. Just replace the judgment with curiosity and compassion, and it will go a long way. Be your own best friend. Thanks, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. Until next time, keep embracing your strength, keep being you, and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.